Good afternoon everybody and welcome to Transcending Together with Julianne and Lee. Good afternoon beautiful and amazing human beings. I hope you are all having a wonderful week. I hope you all had an awesome Christmas, end of year, new year, holiday season, however you choose to however you choose to celebrate it. So I'm back at work, thank goodness. Um, don't do well when I don't have something to do, but I gave myself something to do, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, Lee, how about you? What you been up to? Yeah, well, I took time off before Christmas, so I've already been back at work, uh, back in the swing of things. Um, Christmas was quite busy, lots of cooking and people and good food. So yeah, it was, it was quite good all in all. Too much food? Too much food, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we as a household don't really celebrate Christmas, so um, <clears throat> it was kind of, yeah, just a quiet day. I just worked on my book. <laughs> I might have mentioned it on the show last week, but I'm now halfway through, 25,000 words in, and um, yeah. It's it's been an interesting journey, I think. Um, definitely a kind of therapy, which you would know something about, wouldn't you, Lee? Yeah, I mean, it's always a good therapy technique to write things down. Um, you know, particularly if you're having like conflict with somebody, it's like write a letter to them with the intention of not necessarily sending that letter to them. But it's the same kind of principle, and I guess what you're going through, um, and I've been lucky enough to to read some of the draft. Um, it's definitely coming coming through that kind of like um, almost like a retrospective of your life. Um, so yeah, I'm really really proud of you and impressed at your prolific writing skills. <laughs> I suppose it was an unreasonable expectation for me to hope to finish it in two weeks um <laughs> which was you've got but, halfway through so that's 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 a start you know yeah yeah i guess i wanted to try and get as much done before i had to go back to work um because i, I i'm very target i've got target fixation so i kind of the minute as soon as i start something i've got to see it through to the end you know and it had been bubbling away in the background and i just suddenly the one morning i was like this is it. I've got to actually, I had, uh, it's, I, yeah, I had this, like, I finally had the opening paragraph. It just came to me and I thought, okay, I know where to start now. And, um, so yeah, that was, that was really good. I think one of the things is it when you write your own story, is it biographical or autobiographical? I never know what the two are. Autobiographical. Okay, so so it is something of an autobiographical memoir type thing, interspersed with revelations and epiphanies that I might have along the way. So it's not just a historical timeline, if you like. I do try to keep it interesting and try to share, try to, to build in your mind the various worlds that I was in from time to time. One of the things that came up, and it's I hadn't really given much thought to this 
until I was writing about, I came over to the UK in 1990. And the story about how that came to be <laughs> is something for you to buy the book and find out about. It's a very interesting story. But having got over here and you know, I, I still hadn't solved, so spoiler warning, I still hadn't figured out what being trans was. And I got to thinking about Section 28. And so, so that was promulgated in 1988, which was the year I finished school. So by the time I got here in 1990, it was obviously in full swing. And I pondered to what extent the absence of that information, you know, because it would take me many, many more years, again, spoiler warning, to answer the question, why did I feel like I should have been born a girl? And the absence of that information and the way in which Section 28 had driven the LGBT community underground, I think, had a profound impact on why I didn't get the answers to that question 23 years ago. Yeah, I, 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 it had a profound impact and it got me thinking about exactly when you look at the, the text of Section 28, it's exactly almost, you know, you could swap out homosexuality with transgender. And that is exactly what this government is trying to do right now. And the way in which we that had such a profound impact, I can only, I, I mean, we just, it can't happen. It cannot happen. What are your thoughts, Lee? Yeah, I mean, like, um, I think Section 28 didn't really affect me because I was living in South Africa um, at the time. And I came to the UK in 2003, which is, I think, when... Section 28 was repealed in, in England, having been repealed in Scotland earlier, I think in 2000. So it didn't really impact or affect me, except living in South Africa at the time, in the early 1990s, was was probably just as, as bad. And, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't know about homosexuality um, as we do now, you know, because it's certainly wasn't in the mainstream and it was very much um you know kind of forbidden and, and things like that and yeah i think the the impact of section 28 um was quite profound um in many ways and yeah i i do get your your kind of like warning about um you know what's happening to the transgender um community in this country now you can see many parallels with with section 28 um not just in in the language but you know in the consequences as well what's so interesting about it to me is it wasn't a very big piece of legislation it really only had two parts to it and it just you know it said here for the benefit of those who don't know the text it said very simply a local authority shall not intentionally promote homosexuality or publish material in, with the intention of promoting homosexuality. And a local authority shall not promote the teaching in any maintained school of the acceptability of homosexuality as a pretend, pretended family relationship. Don't know what they 
quite what they mean about by that. And then the second part is nothing in subsection one shall be taken to prohibit the doing of anything for the purpose of treating or preventing the spread of disease. Very kind of them, really, wasn't it? You know, it came out of the AIDS crisis, the HIV crisis. And in those two sections, one and two, they tied homosexuality to a disease and in so doing justified them behaving in that way. And yeah, it just really, if we consider the vocabulary of people like the LGBA, the LGB Alliance, and the nutters like KJK and JKR, it really does bring home to one the extent to which they are using exactly the same vocabulary. Absent a disease <laughs> to, to connect it to, um, they, they're finding other ways to, to make those connections. And, you know, that's exactly what they want to do. They want to intention, they want to stop schools from promoting transgender or publish material with the intention of promoting it. They want to ban it in school. So the interesting thing is local authority, uh, the reason why they separate those two is because, yes, on the one hand, you've got teaching in any maintained school. So the first section, what it implies and the way it affected me so significantly was the libraries are part of the local authority. And because of that, stuff was taken you know, out of libraries. So even we didn't have Google. <laughs> so even if I had the vocabulary to even begin my search through a library to find out about this, I wouldn't have found anything. And I just, my, my stand for 2024 is I will not let this happen. And that, that's my number one primary goal for 2024. And you were also saying, Lee, which I thought was quite interesting, the the fact that what happens in one place in the world can have a profound effect on others, because we've talked often about this draping themselves in a cloak of respectability. And that's exactly what things like this help people to do. So in South Africa, they were able to justify their hatred and their discrimination against the LGBT community by saying, well, you know, the, the great British, look at what they've done. And, and, and that gets me thinking about, you know, why it is important that we all cast an eye across the pond to what's happening in America. Because if in, you know, it does give them justification. What are your thoughts on that, Lee? Oh, absolutely. Um, and one of the quotes that I sort of like came across when I was, you know, looking into Section 28 was the then Tory Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, had said, children who need to be taught to respect traditional morals and values are being taught that they have an inalienable right to be gay. All those children are being cheated of a sound start in life. So that was was kind of like the the language is is still being applied now, where it's like you know that being transsexual is 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 not good value for for uh, you know traditional mor morals and values, um, and that we can't be teaching that in schools today. That people can have. 
um, different um, values in, in life. And it's almost like it's it's coming back to that again. And I think particularly what's going on in, in the States is very much the kind of like right-wing, ultra-conservative religious factions are coming out and saying this is not moral, you know. Um, being transsexual is is not moral. And I think there's a danger of that permeating through um, to the UK and being ensconced in our laws going forward, hopefully not. Yeah, that that um, moral basis for the anti-transgender thing is something I've also been researching or, or investigating over my break. Um, I've been busy. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll share my thoughts on some of that. See you in a bit. Did you know we've got an absolutely wonderful merch store? You can buy merch from the show. You can buy this mug, which supports my rugby team, the Sussex Dragons. This is one of my favorites. This is best part of waking up, turf tears in my cup. We also have t-shirts, which support my rugby team and t-shirts which express our dissatisfaction with England rugby for the way they've treated trans people. And for you bikers out there, we've got our Sisters on Steel Motorcycle Club. Scan this or follow the links on tigergirl.substack.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. So before the break, Lee had mentioned the fact that the people who agitate against us insist on using a moral basis for their justification. And one of the things which I was finding out about uh, was one of the sort of YouTube rabbit holes that I went down was there were a number of discussions that people were having about Jesus versus Paul. People say to themselves, well, what would Jesus do? And a few shows ago, when we were talking about religion and how it constrains the open thought about spirituality. And I had mentioned that many, many years ago, I had come across this book, which was Jesus Says, which was basically the comment in the book, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke or John or Acts or whatever, where it was either prefaced or suffixed with Jesus said. And I'd remembered even then reading that and thinking, but that's not Christianity. And I hadn't really given it much thought until I came across this series of YouTube videos. And it really struck me that the vast majority of the New Testament was not what Jesus said. It was what Paul said. And I hadn't ever really thought about it that way. But the majority of the New Testament is Paul's letters to the Romans, the Corinthians, and so forth. And were written many years, obviously after, maybe even hundreds of years after the, the writing of the Gospels. And it was Paul who was misogynistic and racist and who continued to support slavery and the definition of a woman as the property of her father until she married, whereafter she became the property of her her husband and even should her husband pass away she was then required to become the property of a brother or uncle or some other member of his family so according to paul women should never have women were not allowed 
their own agency in the world. And that really struck me because I guess it's something you always know, but it's <laughs> you only have that aha moment when someone else says it to you. So yeah, that that to me was really quite interesting. I mean, what do you think, Lee? Yeah, I've just had that aha moment now myself, you know. Yeah, very, very interesting, especially because that's the, 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 the kind of philosophy, religion, um, that the very far right Christian um, community is, is trying to ensconce upon us, that women are nothing more than just possession. Um, and yeah, as a woman myself, you know, that's... It's not something that I would subscribe to. You know, I think we are all created equal. And, um, yeah, just looking back on that, it's it's quite interesting that that was the, the thinking and the narrative back in those days. And it took centuries for that to, to change, didn't it? Yeah, it was a big fight, wasn't it? The, um, you know, things like the suffragette movement and and things like that. Of course, people forget that the suffragettes won the right of women to vote, uh, but only white women. <laughs> so <laughs> that was still another battle that had to be fought. And uh, a good friend of mine said to me, what you need to realize is that women had to fight tooth and nail to gain agency in Western society. And she challenged me on the idea that she said, are, are you not perhaps being a bit misogynistic that you assume trans women are not going to have to fight for their rights? And it really made me think because I think that also has a lot to do with the, the issues people have between trans women's rights and, and cis women's rights. And it does. It is an interesting thought experiment, really, because why would trans women assume that we would automatically be conferred with these rights? And I think it's it's more a testament to the fact that women's rights are still not actually embedded as as a baseline in Western society. That for a lot of women, or some women, I, I don't know if it's a but for some women like J.K. Rowling and, and KJK, they see the pie or the cake, if you like, of rights as something that doesn't get bigger. It just gets divided. And by putting more people into that bucket, in their mind, they see it as a disenfranchisement of the rights that they fought so hard to achieve. So I can always get inside their head and understand what they are, where they are coming from. It's not justified because the cake isn't defined. It can get bigger. But it, it does explain, possibly, their thought process, getting inside the mind of, of people like that. What do you think? Well, I actually came across a meme that sums that up brilliantly. And um, it was basically, um, it went something along the lines of, women and girls have lost the right to female-only spaces, sports, and even our own words to describe ourselves. To ask for those back has nothing to do with hate. And I think that just summarizes the mindset of those detractors that are against, you know, the trans women in, in particular is that's the mindset. And yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to have a conversation with somebody if that's, you know, their their blinkered mindset, that they're not willing to to look past that because their message is that women 
after being suppressed for so many years and then finally having gained their freedom are now under attack again they can't even call themselves women now because men can be women kind of mentality and um yeah i think that is the the narrative that is being propagated um through mainstream media and, and things like that we've often spoken on the show about not listening to the misinformation and disinformation out there but rather doing your own research um you know and i just think to myself like a, a year ago I mean, I've known you for, for quite some time, but a year ago, having a conversation with somebody like you about these issues that I might not have been aware of myself, you know, and so I've I've come about and I think my mindset has, has changed um, a lot just in the conversations that we've been having, particularly on, on the show. And it's really, it's a, it's a hard struggle when there are so few that have that uh, mindset that is different from the mainstream narrative. It's it's really difficult. It's like an uphill battle, really, when this is what you, what I've just read from that meme is, is what is being put out there um, as a defense mechanism. And then I think also what's quite interesting is that you linked Section 28 to um, AIDS. And I think I get the feeling that there's this underlying um, narrative that says that trans people are mentally diseased. You know, it's a it's a disease. It's a, you know, you, you people are nuts, you know, certifiable. Um, yeah, there's something so, wrong yeah, with that. It's a yeah, mental disease. It's, it's a disease. Yeah. It's a mental disease. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, I, I guess that is what they're trying to connect to. And it's so interesting, yeah, because I think it was probably in one of our, our earliest first or second shows we had a conversation about this and how you had left things you know, at the end of that discussion where you had said to everybody, if you don't know a trans person, go out and meet one. Yeah. Go and exactly. find out for yourself. Yeah. It's only... It's only ever through dialogue that these um, things can ever be resolved. And I think that's where, to a certain extent, I'm prepared to extend that olive branch to people who think that the size of the pie is defined and it's only how you divide it up that matters and that actually rights can expand. And it's, it's also, you know, HIV, people were afraid of it. It was easy to trigger that fear, wasn't it, that... Gay men are going to spread it, and then closeted gay men are going to sleep with other gay men and, wives, then, yeah. and bring it back to their wives and all the rest of it. Um, so they use that as a way to engender fear in the population. And that's exactly what, I guess, yes, that is the the um, analogy, the, the parallel, is that they're using the safety of women and the fear that that woman have in being in society because their rights are not as solidified as they ought to be. So they're playing on that fear. They're using that fear as a way to get people to agree with them. So they use the fear that trans women are going to replace women in sport and and trans women are going to use trans being trans to gain access to changing rooms and bathrooms and sexually abuse uh, women by pretending to be women even when the statistics 
don't bear it out. It doesn't matter. Fear baiting is never supported statistically. Fear baiting was what Hitler used to justify the extermination of the Jews. Fear baiting is what the, the Israelis are doing to, to justify them treating the Palestinians the way they are. Fear baiting has always been used as a pretext for war, be it you know, post 9-11 and the war on terror and terrorists are around every corner. The terrorist could be the person sitting next to you on an aeroplane. It was all about engendering fear. It was all about plugging people's minds that Muslim people are the problem. It's all Muslim people's faults. Every time you see a Muslim, and there were a lot of awful jokes and stuff that people used to tell. And they felt justified in telling those jokes, even though it wasn't it wasn't all Muslims. And the irony is that I think for a lot of Jewish people, they're now being hit with the same stick because it's not all Jews who support what Israel is doing, but all Jews are being painted with the same brush. And, you know, given our conversation um, we had before Christmas about my concern that the way the Israelis are behaving is outside of legitimate rabbinical law. It's it's not taught in Judaism any more than it's not taught in Islam. Not every mosque, not every imam is trying to convince young Muslim men to strap on a suicide vest and go and blow something up. And likewise, you know, not every rabbi is out there. In fact, most rabbis are saying, this is not going to end well for Jewish people. When we've gone against our God, it's never ended well for us. And yeah. I think that is a, a, a lesson they're not heeding. Um, we, we're coming up for a quick break. Do you want to um, add anything before we take a break? Yeah, I mean, I, I, just coming back to, to the fear part, I think fear is, is used, uh, you know, in, in the psychological warfare that we live in. And the ultimate aim of fear is to um, provide um, control or, or more control. And if you just look at what kind of like happened to us in the last three, four years with COVID and, and the fear mongering that went on with that, it's like, don't see your granny at Christmas time because you will. And I just think it's it's a weapon that is used repeatedly throughout history and will continue to be used. And until people stand up and go, no, we're not buying into this fear anymore. We're going to be sovereign and look into things on our own accord. And um, you know, do do more more research on what is being told to us, and we will discern whether that is something that we want to believe in or or not. Yeah, and somehow that makes you a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and and conspiracy theorists, so we need to be afraid of them also. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, let's take a break, and when we come back, uh. We'll share some more thoughts on that. See you in a bit. The world's largest radio station for the trans community. Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. We were talking about the fear of conspiracy theories and, and how, you know, if you try to break out of the matrix, you end up, you are painted as, you know, a, a nutter tinfoil hat wearer and yeah. i i've got my tinfoil hat here somewhere <laughs> <laughs> i also um, have a tinfoil hat 
Yeah, and I don't think necessarily it's a bad thing. Um, I think you've got to be circumspect. The thing which I find most interesting about it, though, as a trans person is, and I've met a lot of other trans people who also, we do, I think because we go through such an interesting journey becoming ourselves that we we don't think inside the box because we've lived all our lives outside of the box you know we've lived outside the gender the gender binary so we do tend to be anti establishment and or the the biggest word in the english language anti disestablishmentarianism <laughs> that's um that kind of uh where <laughs> how i would describe myself um so i do follow a lot of the people who are painted as conspiracy theorists like joe rogan back in the day um before he completely jumped the shark alex jones luke radowski i think his name is you know and i, I never ever believed that a bunch of saudi arabians were box cutters cause 9-11 but the, the sad thing is you follow these people and you agree with with 99% of what they're saying but almost to a man or woman every single one of them is anti-trans and I find that so frustrating because and I know we don't you know we on this show like to challenge the message not the messenger but even when you try and reach out to these people like like I spoke about last year, you try to reach out to them and say, hey, listen, your content is about anti-ULES or anti-EVs um, and that sort of thing. And I agree with you 100% on all of those things. But why? But then you stepped into the trans thing. And now I want to challenge you because, one, it has nothing to do with your content. And two, if you're going to have an opinion on something like you know about cars, you don't know about the intricacies of the of the gender spectrum. So if you're going to step, you know, step off outside your lane and have a conversation about this thing, then inform yourself. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these people is they want to have their conspiracy theories and they want to say that they see the world in a completely different way to everyone else. And yet they can't see that actually they are falling into the same trap, that they are asleep. And, you know, they love to say, oh, the sheeple. They are a sheeple when it comes to the gender question. And I just find that so ironic. And when you challenge them, when you reach out to them and you say, you know what? I like your content. You know, we could have a conversation about cars and motorcycles and, you know, all of those things. Or we could have a conversation about rugby and sports and all the rest of it. But let's also have a conversation about this gender thing because you brought it up. You brought it into your world. You brought it into the minds of the people who follow your channel for your automobile content so come have a chat so if you want to swim outside your lane fine you want to come swim in my lane you're welcome to but have a conversation with me before you start getting in my way in my lane what do you think yeah i mean like i i think there's a definite link there and i think the 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 narrative that uh, these people are are believing these um, conspiracy theorists and and fans of conspiracy theory, I think their narrative is that the people 
that control the world, the so-called controller gawks, as I like to call them, they wouldn't be able to do that and to uh, manifest the new world order if you had strong, toxic masculinity parading around because men are, you know, fighters and they won't have any of that. So I think what they're looking at is that um, these control oligarchs are spreading this transgender idealism to replace strong men with, you know, feminized women so that they um, won't fight against the the control and that's definitely a mindset that I've picked up in in all my research as to why and then if you link that with they fundamentally um you know sort of like right-wing um, Christianity kind of thing um and, and that appeals to them or you know we, we can't have transgender come in and, and pollute the male species and make them weak um, and it's not natural because, you know, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve kind of mentality that, that it goes back to. So I think that's that's where it comes in. And again, that's linked to fear, you know, fear of men being replaced. That fear is enough for them not to open their eyes and go, hang on a minute, I, I see what's happening here. This is not true, or this is disinformation. Um, they're just blindly following into that fear that they're telling people not to be afraid of because, you know, these controller gawks who are taking over kind of thing. Um, but they've been impacted themselves and they can't see it because they blink it. Controller gawks, that's, that's going to be our word for 2024. Yes. I like controller it. Controller gawks. <laughs> yeah, because it's that coalescence of state corporate everything that is it's not politicians that are trying to control everything on their own it's not corporations that are trying to control things on their own it is like this and i mean that at the end of the day is the very definition of fascism is the marriage of of corporations and state that's why fascists always nationalize industry because you have to control all aspects of a person's existence if you going to dominate them so yeah it's interesting that it's ironic isn't it but they have this idea that it's some that somehow the woke agenda is all part of this nefarious plot to weaken men without realizing i, I think most of them are weak anyway and ineffective and wouldn't stand a chance against yes yeah, like if you take someone like joe rogan i mean he is like the the ubermensch I mean, he he is good-looking, intelligent, funny, uh, fit as hell, yeah. and you know he's he is like you can't argue with his ultimate man status. And to be fair to him, he does try. He is respectful when he has people with alternative points of view on his shows. But I can guarantee you, ninety-nine percent of his followers are not ubermensch. They're not fit. Yeah. They're not intelligent. They're not funny. And so they are attracted to people like that because they think because they are a fan of Joe Rogan, they are um, like Joe Rogan. They, they, yeah. they want to take it on themselves. And I think like for me, <laughs> I remember must have been oh, 2001 or two when I first started listening to Alex Jones. And I mean, his big thing at the time was that 
that you know they're putting stuff in the water and it's turning the frogs gay. Do you remember that one? That conspiracy, <laughs> and this was somehow proof. But actually, uh, you know, it was. The, I mean, yeah, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole about how messed up our rivers are. Not yet. Maybe in this conversation. Maybe for another one. But yeah, his whole thing was all. It's intentional. That you know, and that we can prove it because frogs are gay. And people were saying, well, frogs are. But I, I can't quite think what the definition is. You know, where they can change gender i think they're one of those um species that can that can do that and so they do that anyway homosexuality is prevalent in rat communities it's to say it's not natural is to ignore the evidence of where it happens everywhere across the uh fauna of this planet so so yeah i think that that whole thing around the, the this grand conspiracy to feminize men and again it's it's considered the misogyny of that what they're saying is it's trans women specifically that are the problem it's not trans men trans men aspire to be joe rogan so they're okay it's mm-hmm. trans women that are the problem when you consider that we are 0.1 percent of the population yes maybe it's growing because People can come out. They're not forced underground like under Section 28. It's like if you start measuring earthquakes in a particular area that you've never measured earthquakes before, you're going to discover you know, a marked increase in the number of earthquakes in that area because you've never measured them there before. So, <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, and it goes back to the fear thing, doesn't it? It goes back to trying to engender fear in people. Yeah, make men afraid that they're going to be feminized. Yeah, because the frogs are turning gay. That must mean that the uh, chemicals, the hormones that they're putting in the water will turn men gay as well. Well, that was the, that was the thrust of, of his argument. Yeah. Was, yeah, it's this intentional plan to, to feminize men. So if that was in 2001 and it's now 22 years later, Where's the epidemic of feminized men? Well, they all turned into trans women. <laughs> yeah, but this was supposed to be like wholesale, almost like yeah, race, everywhere. like race replacement theory, you know. And, theory, and yeah. they do link back to that whole replacement theory thing that trans women are going to replace women. So yeah, that's that's quite an. In- <laughs> yeah. Maybe biologically, it takes longer than twenty years. Well, I mean, the problem for me is it completely messed up my perception of what was wrong with me because I yeah. thought, yeah, yeah, I wonder if that's true. But then also, I grew up, our house had a borehole, so we had our own water. If they were putting it in the water in Harare in 1974, 75, it, uh, how? How were they putting it in my borehole water that I grew up with? Not quite sure doesn't make sense so because it doesn't make sense let's go to an ad break (laughs) and when we come back we will talk some more see you in a bit did you know we've got an absolutely wonderful merch store you can buy merch from the show you can buy this mug which supports my rugby team the sussex dragons this is one of my favorites this is best part of waking up turf tears in my cup we also have t-shirts which support my rugby team 
and t-shirts which express our dissatisfaction with England rugby for the way they've treated trans people. And for you bikers out there, we've got our Sisters on Steel Motorcycle Club. Scan this or follow the links on tigergirl.substack.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. One of the things that news pieces that came out before Christmas that I think we did talk about it was the the, the court ruling around Brianna Jai's um, murder. I, I can't. Did we talk yeah. about that before Christmas? I can't quite remember. We we mentioned it, yeah, but I think it was still ongoing. The trial hadn't concluded yet. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, they hadn't been found guilty, but we did have a conversation about, you know, was it computer games that were the reason, you know, for the rise in mass shootings and things like that? And over the Christmas period. It was really, it was really amazing, and I want to give a shout out to Brianna Jai's Jai, sorry, Brianna Jai's family and their charity, which is called Peace in Mind, and they're doing some great work where they want to bring mindfulness courses into schools. Now, no doubt, this will also be painted ultimately as some kind of trans agenda, trying to to backdoor trans conversion into our schools but the reality is that mindfulness is something that's really important and one of the things that uh, Mrs. Jai was talking about was the fact that she had noticed that Brianna had become a lot more insular and spent a lot more time in her room and you know I still wonder to what extent her isolation was a factor in her decision to to go out and meet those two kids because maybe she wasn't you know making friends and things like that but the other thing that that really struck me is the way the media have responded i haven't quite got the words around this year but but i felt like there was a dichotomy and i'm kind of talking about this for the first time actually since so pardon me if i go a little bit around trying to get my head around it but it does seem to me that it, it's bothered it bothered me and it's been bothering me that the fact that she was trans the media is saying and, and hammering on that was not a factor in her being targeted by these two kids so we can excuse ourselves as pill clutchers that wasn't our fault because it wasn't you know there were other kids on the list there were other kids who they were targeting. So, you know, it's not that she was trans. That was the reason why she was targeted. And and that's really bothered me. I think the, the best way I can express the, the dichotomy is that, so the fact that she was trans, we are supposed to believe that the fact that, we, that she was trans was not a factor in her being targeted, despite the boy, boy X or whatever, child X, despite the fact that he had referred to her as an it uh, tranny, we're supposed to believe, yeah, but it was just because they were insane and mm, antisocial psychotic. children, psychotic children. So we're not allowed as the trans community to say this is a function of the hate speech, but because it, it, they're saying it's not a factor, but they won't give us that pass when someone like... Um, 
I can't even think of the person's name uh, who who raped uh, women and was in um, prison in Scotland, and it caused the whole hoo ha around women, trans women and women's prisons. And it's probably good that I don't remember her name because that's we shouldn't give it give it air. But that was used to say, okay, but all trans people are like that. Yes. And and that's really bothering me is we can't have this. We can't say, listen, this, the fact that she was trans, yes, there were other kids, but why her specifically? And I think it is clear that she that the fact that she was trans bothered those two kids. It was a function of why they, they wanted to kill her. And yes, they had other people on their list that they wanted to kill, but it was definitely, you know, had that had there not been this constant Daily Mail telegraph stuff about trans people being dangerous and a threat to society and an existential threat to Western civilization. Had it not been for that, they might not have been bothered by her and they might not have targeted her. And I just think we can own this. We can say, listen, the fact that she was trans was a function of their decision to kill her. And the media has a responsibility for having done that. And if they're not going to give us that, then they need to stop every time a trans person is discovered to have done something wrong, painting the whole trans community with the same brush. You can't have it both ways. And what do you think? No, I absolutely agree with you. Um, you can't have it both ways. And I mean, we've, we've mentioned earlier in the show about painting the Muslims or the Jews or the whoever's with the same brush, um, broadly saying transgender people are whatever. You, you can't do that. If you're in the media, if you're mainstream media, you have to have more balance in it. I think you've hit on, on something quite profound here, that it's almost like, oh, it wasn't because she was transgender that they, they killed her. And, and I think that's where that kind of message just perpetuates and carries on and carries on with the fear-mongering that we've spoken about and things like that because that narrative is going to get repeated and repeated and repeated, you know. And like you say, as soon as a trans person does something, you know, when wins wins a race, a trans woman wins a race, then it's they show the bad side of it. It's it's just, yeah, yeah mind boggles, I doesn't it? Yeah, not the hundreds of trans people that aren't winning races. Yeah. You know, this, this was this thing where, um, I can't think of her name right now, um, the swimmer, who's an anti-trans. Yeah. Um, Le <laughs> Leah? No. No. Oh, yes. That's the swimmer. I'm, I'm trying to think who yeah. the, um, uh, the, the ex-British swimmer was who's anti-trans in sport and always like... Um, <laughs> I can't think of her name. This is driving me mad. When I hand the mic over to you, I'll I'll go and have a quick look. But anyway, her and Martina Navratilova have been in the news, pushing, 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 pushing about how trans women in sport is a threat and all the rest of it. And it just, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, if it were the thousands, if it were in the thousands, you know, they, they're saying that the worst male performers are still better than the best female performers. And I mean, that is just so misogynistic. That is like, how can any self-respecting self feminist be happy with that 
categorization, that, 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 that characterization of it. It falls into the same bucket for me as those people who are all over YouTube bemoaning the fact that Marvel and Star Wars and everything has gone woke and that they will say how character like um, Black Widow from the, the Marvel movies, oh, it's actually, it's impossible that she would be able to beat up men like that. And you're like, really? Have you, like, really? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just think it's like, let it go, because it really doesn't, there isn't a, in reality, trans women are not overtaking women and never will for reasons which research, which is due sometime in the new year, will demonstrate. Um, and I will come back to that when it is published. But yeah, it's. Um, it really makes you think and oh, thoughts, Lee. I've sort of run out of something to say there. <laughs> <laughs> I think just in, in closing, um, I think we must remember that our collective efforts must continue to break down these barriers of ignorance um, because that's, you know, mainly what it is. And we need to challenge these roots of prejudice you know, by thinking independently, like we've mentioned on this before, because in doing so, we'll be able to dismantle the structures, you know, the constructs, the narratives that perpetuate this inequality, you know, and each little victory, a step towards the, the big victories of, um, you know, equality and things like that. Um, but it takes collective effort. It really does. I'm still trying to find that um <laughs> that swimmer <laughs> hold on let me let me um give me a second uh stay with me guys um this is the problem with doing stuff live is we have to fact check ourselves in real time and i'm finding it actually hard to find this particular article <laughs> um which i suppose is a good thing um so here she is sharon davies there we go there we go. Yeah, so Sharon Davies. She's another one who um, I just think should stay in her lane. But and, and I'm more than willing to, to debate it with her. I don't have... I do I do wonder if, it, if trans women aren't a category of their own in sport. You know, I, I'm prepared to have that conversation. But yeah. then we need to be given access to sport. And this kind of, I, I suppose, going full circle links back to what we were saying at the beginning, that trans women's fight for rights follows women, cis women's fight for rights. And, yeah, I think we have to ensure that we expand the rights of everybody rather than actually like the terrible Tories would like to do, which is to take away all our human rights. So, yeah, I think that's that's a good place to finish it. We actually managed to go a full circle. Oh, <laughs> it's funny how good we are. We didn't get this. <laughs> um, yeah, so final thoughts, Lee? Yeah, I mean, I just want to, to echo um, your challenge there. It's, you know, have a conversation with trans people, get, get to know them. And if you don't know any, 
Um, then come on the show. We've got one right here that you can sit down and, and have a chat to. Um, yeah, just let's have some open debate. Come on the show. Absolutely. And with that, thank you very much for listening. Do stick around after the break for MG's Unorthodox Jukebox. And we will see you next week. And it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from Lee. Take care, everyone. Bye. For the community, by the community, Trans Radio UK. All hit music. This is Rihanna. Hey, this is Pink. Trans Radio UK.